0: I've never once gotten somewhere and been like, oh, I wish I had driven. I I really wish I had gotten in in a car instead. And it extends to even things like using Lyft and and cabs and and different ways to, to get around. I'm always so much happier if I decided to take a bike or a bus or a walk. And I've never once regretted my decision, even if it takes a little bit extra time.
1: I'm Jocelyn K. Gly, and this is Hurry Slowly, a podcast about pacing yourself, where I explore how you can be more productive, creative, and resilient through the simple act of slowing down. Today's episode is special to me because it's an opportunity to talk about one of my lifelong obsessions walking. I can confidently say that almost all of my best memories have happened in one of two places sitting outside on a porch which we'll talk more about in a future episode, are wandering down a sidewalk. New friendships, new romances, new cities, new ideas. I find that all of these things blossom best for me when I'm on foot and on the go. And I should tell you that, consistent with the theme of this show, my pace is much more of a stroll than a stride. Despite living in New York City for about 13 years now, my walking speed remains stubbornly slow. For me, walking has always been about wandering and daydreaming, things that are hard to do at your desk. But today's guest, the aptly named Alyssa Walker, opened my mind to even more expansive possibilities for walking. Walking not just as an act of disconnecting and sparking creativity, but also as a way to engage more deeply with your city and your community. As Curb.com's first ever urbanism editor, Walker, who's based in Los Angeles, ...writes about our relationship to our cities, how we transport ourselves, how we interface with the urban environment, and how tech is changing both of these things at a rapid clip. She also got rid of her car over 10 years ago, and has been a committed walker, bike rider, and bus taker ever since. In this conversation, we talk about how walking changes your relationship to almost everything. To time and the rhythms of your day to how you behave as a citizen in your community, to even your mood, your outlook, and your creativity. Let's get started. You live in Los Angeles, which is, of course, notorious as the city in which people love to drive. And you decided to deliberately stop driving and start walking, I believe, about 10 years ago now. Can you describe how that happened?
0: Well, for me, it was where I had chosen to live, which I thought was a very uh, good choice at the time. I I wanted to move to a place in the city where I didn't have to drive so much, so I moved to Hollywood. I'd lived in Hollywood, but I moved kind of into a, the denser part of Hollywood, and um, it was so I could walk places. I mean, it's one of the few—there's there's little pockets of neighborhoods in L.A. that are really, really great for walking and have always been great for walking. The way that the city was built was around this huge streetcar system that could kind of deliver you to any part of the city and, and let you walk around and get your errands taken care of and see your friends and then zip to another part of the city. So we, we were set up that way at one point until they decided to build freeways instead. So for me, I really wanted to live somewhere um, that where I could take care of my daily business on foot as much as I possibly could. And then I had access to, we have this amazing, basically a mountain range that cuts through the middle of the, of our city. So I wanted to be able to have access to hiking and, and walking and these staircases that are in a lot of the hillier parts of the city. But when I moved there, I realized that, um, it was actually much more pleasurable to never drive. And I realized how much my car sat in one place or, was paralyzed trying to get out of my driveway as I was trying to get from one part of the city to another. And I just started to give myself little games to test myself to say, how long can I leave my car in the garage and not drive anywhere? And then the stretches became longer and longer and longer. And so you've obviously
1: been doing this for a very long time now, almost a decade. How has it affected the way that you move through your day and what you notice and even how you feel?
0: I mean, for me, it changed the rhythm of my day, just like what you 're saying i mean it it- it you must plan out your day a little bit differently if you know that you have to leave in time to take transit or to ride a bike or a little bit extra time to walk um, but for me, those became like these very precious, important moments in my day. I love being able to work on my phone while I'm going somewhere instead of having to pay attention and drive. I don't think you'll ever realize the the gift that you get until you – um, can be answering all of your emails when you get from one place to another and get there and have a, an inbox empty inbox <laughs> by the time you arrive it's a, it's a wonderful gift um but I, and i think a lot of people keep they, they would bring it up to me and say well how do you have time for this and for me it's like just shifting your time from one place to another and the way that you are experiencing parts of sitting in front of your computer or maybe watching a show that you like and you can do this um, multitasking in a multitasking way when you're just using your basic transportation skills to get around.
1: Well, and you said, um, I was listening to a podcast, um, episode that curb did where you were saying, you know, kind of one thing that you just touched on, you know, when you're driving a car that for you, it almost feels like this sort of like shackle that weighs you down because you have to really, you know, pay attention all the time while you're driving. Right. So you can't be doing other things or really letting your mind wander all that much. And I'm kind of interested in this idea of walking as, um, in certain ways requiring less attentiveness um, and that that is maybe what makes walking in a certain way, like such a driver for creativity and also just of happiness because we spend so much time at our desks and on our phones and, you know, very intensely focused. And that's, you know, sort of a time to just focus a little bit less.
0: And I must say that I'm the worst driver and I'm very bad at paying attention. So it's better for me and you if I'm not on the road at all, um, in that way. <laughs> but yeah, I think that it's, it's a different setting that your mind, uh, goes to and you're, instead of focusing on, uh, I, I, I can't even explain the way that the frustration I feel when I'm driving, I, I I get I get angry. I probably get road rage. Is that probably what it qualifies as? I get really frustrated with everyone else on the road. I get really frustrated f- from things that I can't uh quite experience or see. I'll I'll I often see something that I want to stop and take a photo of and I'm like, "Wait, no, I'm in my car." And walking just allows me to stop, back up, peek into a garage, look down a side street, stop and investigate a tree. And that becomes part of uh, the way that I move through my city. It's, it's it's this ongoing investigation. And yes, it is relaxing and y- you kind of have this different way of experiencing the city. But for me, it's I'm almost working harder maybe when I'm walking because I'm trying to find stories and different angles on things and getting good photos. And it, it keeps my brain a little more activated.
1: Well, so do you think that for you that walking is um... – you know, connected to your creativity or really kind of become part of your creative process in many ways?
0: I think for, for as far as what I decided to write about and, and what decisions I made about what kind of stories that I wanted to tell through my writing changed dramatically once I decided I didn't want to drive anymore. So for example, just the the way that I was connecting myself to my city and seeing how different blocks in my neighborhood were starting to change and how buildings were going up and talking to people who were sitting outside of their homes. You know, this is probably very normal stuff that happens in a lot of cities that um, are pedestrian friendly or pedestrian centric but in Los Angeles it's a little bit different because i i really think that most people i'm not saying they don't want to walk or they don't like walking or they're you know they don't enjoy walking but people think of it as a recreational thing or something that you do for fun and not as a way that you get from one point to another so for me once i started to do this i started to understand the streets and our neighborhoods in a completely different way and yeah i mean as far as a creativity Motivator. I think just taking photos of how neighborhoods are changing became my, my favorite thing to do in the city. Well,
1: and you have written that getting out of your car made you a better citizen, which made you a better writer, which seems to be sort of where you were going with that, like the, that, it got you more engaged with your city. And, you know, I guess if someone were to make the decision today to drive less, um, you know, walk more, like, do you think that, that, that would give them a different relationship to their sort of local environment?
0: I do. And I, what I hear so much from people who live here is that, oh, I wish I could. I wish I could walk more. I wish I didn't have to drive so much. And there are certainly many, many reasons why many people in the city can't live closer to where they work. Um, They can't live closer to where they go to school. And that has a lot to do with affordability and and housing concerns that we have in the city in particular. So for me, that became a very interesting question to start to explore through my writing and and talking to other people. You know, Why do we set ourselves up with these 45-minute commutes across the city and put ourselves at such great distance from the people we love and the places we love to hang out? So I think that that's one of the things you can start to look at is why are you in the car so much? Where are you going? Um, why, why aren't the things located near you, um, within walking distance that should be located near you and what can you do to change that? What are some big things and steps you can make to try to change that? And it, it starts with maybe just shifting that time. Like we talked about before, like giving yourself that, that, you know, 45 minutes in a a bus or a train, where you can uh, travel across the city and use that time in a different way.
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting. You're making me think of, you're talking about how frustrating, you know, sort of angry driving um, makes you earlier. And I'm also thinking of, you know, just sort of the, we will say general tenor of the country right now, which is people are pretty kind of frustrated and angry. I think about, um, you know, the political situation and feeling sort of like they're not really sure um, maybe what to do or how to take action. And I'm just thinking about those two things and kind of this idea of, um, you know, walking as a way to just get much more connected to your community and maybe be inspired to take some action rather than kind of just dwelling in this sort of like frustrated place where you feel like you can't really, you know, you're not really sure what to do.
0: Exactly, I think I think that uh, walks have been very therapeutic right, for many of the things that have happened in the last in the last few months. Um, but I, I, I completely agree with you that the the way to kind of funnel any kind of uh, despair that you might feel uh, from what's happening on the national stage a really good way to. Uh, work those issues out and feel like you're making a difference is to just zero in on your own block. And what something that I do, which is super nerdy, and that makes me feel great, is I grab my phone and my 311 app, which is a, a way that you can report things like trash or, you know, uh, overgrown trees or broken sidewalks or any other injustice, small injustices in your neighborhood. And I go out and report them and the city comes and fixes them. And to me, that's like the greatest illustration of (laughs) the city working the right way, um, improving your neighborhood um, on a block by block basis, and just going out and starting to, to notice like, what are the elements that makes for a better community and and a better place to live? when I was re- doing some research in
1: preparation for this interview, I was, I was looking at this, um, this kind of crazy study that was done of some of the benefits of walking. Um, and one of them was if you, uh, you know, remove your one hour commute and replace it with walking, your happiness, uh, increases somewhere on the level of, uh, you know, being similar to falling in love, which is <laughs> kind of a, Beautiful statistic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and I um, think that you have to weigh those. We all have these trip planners now, right? We can use, you can plug into Google Maps. You have like this uh, very easy equation in front of you of to go from here to there. If you take the bus, if you take your car, if you walk the entire way, if you take a bike, gives you it gives you the time breakdown. But you're not seeing, first of all, a whole bunch of hidden costs in there. You know, you're always seeing... Um, just like how it takes you to get from one place to another. It don't, you don't see the parking. You don't see how long you're going to be circling for parking. You don't see how much gas you're using. You don't think of all the environmental and uh, uh, costly public health issues that are factoring into your choice um, and, and how it's probably going to make you less healthy and make the, the planet more susceptible to climate change if you make a certain decision when you to get from one place to another. But the happiness thing... I've never once gotten somewhere and been like, oh, I wish I had driven. I I really wish I had gotten in in a car instead. And it extends to even things like using Lyft and and cabs and and different ways to, to get around. I'm always so much happier if I decided to take a bike or a bus or a walk. And I've never once regretted my decision, even if it takes a little bit extra time
1: time for a quick break, but keep those earbuds in, because after the jump, Alyssa and I talk about our collective obsession with transporting ourselves efficiently, the serendipity of getting lost, and why walking is, quite literally, the best way to improve your patience and go slow. This episode is brought to you by Hover. Personally, I find it hard to take action on my ideas unless I have some accountability, a deadline, an audience, an expectation, something or someone that makes it necessary to take action. And one of the easiest ways to quickly create some of that accountability is to go public, to go online. Establishing your domain name is, in a sense, a rite of passage. The way you plant a stake in the ground and say, here it is, this is my idea. And Hover makes the process of finding a domain that matches your passion super simple. Their streamlined search lets you choose from over 400 domain name extensions, and you can easily connect your new domain to a number of popular website builders with just a few clicks. But honestly, my favorite feature is Hover's straightforwardness. Their user interface is clean and easy to use, and they don't nag you with endless upsells at checkout. What you see is what you get. A launchpad for your ideas. So if you've got an idea you're passionate about, start laying the groundwork now by heading over to Hover.com slash Hurry Slowly to get 10% off your first purchase. That's H-O-V-E-R dot slash Hurry Slowly. This episode is also brought to you by SaneBox. People who know me well know that I am passionate about email. Or rather, I am passionate about how much I despise email as a workplace distraction, one that eats up great gobs of our attention, which could be better spent on more meaningful work. So the question is, what would you do if you got that time and attention back? What would you do with two more hours each week? What about four more hours? That's how much time SainBox saves their average user every single week. With just a few clicks, SaneBox automagically gets your email under control and makes keeping it that way forever super easy. It also has some sweet features like one-click unsubscribe, which sends annoying emails into the aptly named black hole, and automatic tracking of messages that haven't received replies yet so you can see what needs following up. See how SainBox can help you reclaim your time and attention with a free two-week trial. Visit SaneBox.com slash Hurry Slowly today to start your free trial and get a $25 credit. That's sanebo xcom com slash Hurry Slowly. I wanted to ask you specifically, actually, about Google Maps, thinking about just what it's done to our experience of exploring our cities. And I think feel like it's sort of taken away some of that beauty of getting lost and the serendipity that comes out of that.
0: You know, I I'm of two minds for this I. In one way, the fact that it even walking comes up as an option. I feel like at first when all this these things came out and I know for example like Apple Maps, when they first launched their maps on the iPhone, it didn't have walking directions at first. It was always assuming that everyone was going to drive and their walking directions (laughs) were actually really bad and may have gotten you more lost (laughs) because they just didn't have um, all the information to get you from one place to another. So in, in one way, I have heard from people that if by using apps like that, they might have discovered something like a staircase or an alleyway or some kind of, um, you know, one of these pedestrian portals from one neighborhood to another that they might not have noticed because Google Maps has actually gotten really, really good at um, tracking some of the pedestrian dedicated pedestrian infrastructure in some cities. So you might stumble into a park or or a certain part of town that you hadn't noticed before just by the way it routes you. At the same time, yes, the serendipity of getting lost and um, of of really not knowing where you are <laughs> um, is, is a tough thing to lose because especially when I've gone to other cities, some of the best experiences I've had is when you know I didn't have a phone or my phone died and I was trying to get back using landmarks that I had tried to remember on the way there. Um, so I guess you can always turn your phone off. If you want to have that experience again.
1: <laughs> yeah, you can. Well, yeah. And I think, I mean, do you have you since the situations have occurred, do you have rules for yourself or do you ever experiment with, you know, particularly when you're on in other cities of kind of trying
0: not to use the phone for that reason? I think when I'm, when I'm going somewhere now, I'm always trying to find something in particular, but I do, I do kind of, if I, if something catches my eye, I will veer off course quite often. Um, and you know, if I see something a couple blocks away or I, you know, I'm interested in, you know, why that building looks so strange and I want to get closer to it, I, I will often, um, make a detour and also go inside a lot of places. I think a lot of people don't think about that when they're, um, out bopping around a city. Like I try my best to infiltrate as many structures as possible.
1: It's interesting you use that phrase, right? Most people are trying to find something in particular, because I feel like that's the way, you know, especially using things like Google Maps and and having everything be mapped out and having relying on our phones so much, we tend to um, take this really focused uh, attitude towards navigating the city that is, um, I don't know, a bit less interesting in some ways.
0: I think our jobs as people are what we assign ourselves to is to be very efficient in in our days and um, we want to be very scheduled and very regimented and uh, we have our commutes mapped out and we... We know we want to know how much time it's going to take to get somewhere, and we don't really want any surprises, right? Um, the worst kind of surprise is like a, a crash on a freeway or something that you know sets you back, and you're not getting home in time to see your kid before they go to bed or whatever. But um, gosh, there's just so much other amazing serendipity to open yourself up to within a city um if you give yourself a little bit of a buffer to allow yourself to experience it and i don't know if they i don't know how to convince people of the the gift that you get if you allow yourself to maybe go home a different way or jump on a different bus jump on a random bus that comes by your house maybe um, and just let yourself get a little lost um, we don't all have time for it that's why I like having a child who kind of encourages me in that direction. She will, uh, always let me know that she wants to try to go somewhere different and, um, or stop if I haven't looked carefully enough at something on the sidewalk. (laughs) (laughs) When
1: do you have, or maybe it, it kind of happens, dance occurs with her. Um, you know, do you try to, I'm sure, you know, like everyone, you have certain places that you go frequently. Do you try to kind of mix up your roots a little bit?
0: And and she encourages it. I mean, she knows the bus routes. She knows certain streets, which she names based on what grows there, what kind of houses are there. You know, she has her own landmark set up in just our very short uh, commute that we have to take her to preschool, which is very funny. And we just ch- changed school. So now she's naming all these other new routes and, and telling me where to go. And, and she'll be the one who will nudge me down a different street or ask why we can't take a different bus not always workable in the morning when we're trying to get there on time. But I do think that, yeah, like being able to vary it up and, uh, and, and, and use these, these tools of technology, you know, I can look at my phone and say, you know what, that bus is not coming for a certain amount of time. Let's walk down this block and go to another bus stop and experience what that would be like. And we, we can have the flexibility to do that.
1: One for people who are listening. So how old is your daughter now? She's two, two and a half. When did she learn how to walk?
0: Um, she probably just before her first birthday, about 11 months old. So <laughs> when I think you told me,
1: so how, and how far can she walk
0: now? It was pretty far as I recall. She can walk like about a mile without complaining. Um, and I don't know if that's because it's something I forced her into or what, but she has just been, um, she is such an intrepid walker and doesn't really care much for a stroller. Um, loves being riding on the back of a bike, of course, but can, can really hoof it. And I'm, I'm very proud of that.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's pretty amazing. And certainly, um, I live in Park Slope, the land of strollers. Um, you know, certainly at that age, you don't really, I mean, you just really don't see children walking that much. Typically, you know, they're either in a car, if they're in the suburbs or in the city, they're in a stroller. How do you, do you think that that's kind of, um, you know, changed her experience at all?
0: I think that you you know we have this it's it's again this you know ability to let allow ourselves to have the time to explore and it's not a very fast walk (laughs) you know sometimes we're we're taking a really really long time to cover to cover some ground but um, I think giving yourself the time. Uh, to get from one place to another, allowing for all exploration, lots of breaks. You know, we're we're not we're not cruising along along the sidewalk. And I let her, you know, set the agenda, which makes it's not like I'm tugging her hand and telling her we have to get somewhere. I'm really letting her. Um, set the pace and, and tell us what we should be looking at. And she's often, she loves benches of any sort. So she's always wanting to try out benches or chairs that we come across. So I think just it's letting her explore at her own pace as well. And not just always being focused on how fast we have to get somewhere. Cause I, I, you know, I see these people who are trying to get their kids to school in the morning. That's why they drive. They've got somewhere to go and somewhere to be. And we might have to leave a little bit earlier so we can take the bus, but it's worth it.
1: Yeah. When you're making me think of, I was um, reading, uh, I just got this beautiful book called A Philosophy of Walking by this um, French philosopher named Frederick Gros. And um, one of the things he writes in the book is walking is the best way to go more slowly than any yes. other method that has ever been found, <laughs> which I think is lovely.
0: It really, it really is. And there's nothing else that will there's there's no other way that – nothing else that will teach you the level of patience except maybe having a kid. But there's nothing else that will uh, teach you this patience um, it, than, than walking, of, of being able to get through your city in this way. Right, and so if
1: you have a kid and you're walking everywhere with your cat, kid, then you know you're basically like a like a Zen master, right? Or I must be super now.
0: mellow now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's very true. I have lost a lot of my uh, the urgency. Things that seemed really important maybe ten years ago are no longer that important.
1: And what what sorts of things would those be? Out of curiosity,
0: I mean, I think that the constant stress of trying to get trying to get somewhere at a certain time. Uh, And feeling like if a trip planner or a Google Maps itinerary lies to you, um, that it ruins your whole day in some way, (laughs) you know, not allowing for all these uh, uncertainties that happen to us as we move around. I think just being able to kind of surrender yourself to the city and and letting uh, yourself be confronted with all the various good and bad uh occurrences that might happen on your way from getting from one place to another um i think that's it it's it's a different way of uh it's a different way of moving about your day and it will it will change your brain it will change your brain
1: well and i think a lot of people um listening to this podcast will be listening because they kind of have this um you know probably a little bit efficiency minded right and kind of have this sense of urgency but maybe want to figure out how to release it a bit or let go of it. Um, and, you know, you're very much saying that you kind of have let go of that, but do you, how, like, how do you make that all work? Like, is it just planning for a lot more kind of cushioning?
0: I think you have to do that and, and look at your priorities. I mean, I know some people who, for example, want to exercise every day and tell me that they have to get up early so they can go to the gym take a shower and then drive to work. And to me, I would say, well, how far do you live from work? Um, Could you ride a bike? Uh, How important is it to you to, um, you know, to to go to this gym or to to actually drive to this gym and drive back home or whatever, you know, however you have it set up? Um, To me, The the best multitasking, as far as getting exercise and uh, getting some fresh air and and connecting with nature, is to incorporate that into your commute every day. So, like that's that's one example of a way that I think is a very obvious way to restructure your day. Maybe you've got some kind of very special exercise regimen, but um, to me, that's a a very obvious one. Obvious, very obvious change that you could make uh, where you could kind of do many things at once
1: one of the other one of the other crazy stats of this report on walking that I was reading was um I think it was if you're if you're over the age of 60 you know walking uh, was something like a mile a day makes you 22% less likely to die like
0: Oh yeah no I mean the the facts are really kind of disturbing and if you start to think about how much you sit compared to how much you walk you know just just work out that ratio at first and try to see you know and I'm guilty of it too I'm sitting in front of a computer all day I'm typing you know and on the internet and doing all this very inactive very unhealthy stuff Um, but then I'm trying to hopefully offset a little bit of that by how much I'm trying to move around when I'm not sitting in front of the computer or taking the bus, riding a bike or walking when I have to go somewhere, making sure that I'm not just walking out to a a driveway or a car or a car share or whatever, um, to get me somewhere. So for me, it was, it was really calculating just exactly what you were saying like that, the health aspect, but also, um, we're a culture that is. Uh, going to kill ourselves one way or another, as far as our choices about transportation through either climate change, air pollution, or just the fact that we're not moving as much as we used to. So those three factors are are all something you need to consider when you decide how to get from one place to another.
1: Do you, this is kind of completely shifting gears, but do you do, uh, you know, walking meetings or kind of walking calls or or anything like that, where you're kind of fusing, you know, some of your work tasks while you're, while you're on the go?
0: Definitely, I think that um the coolest thing that I've, I've i've seen is other people start to do this. you know other people will invite me um, for a walk around a lake or uh, you know a stroll around a neighborhood to talk about ideas instead of you know any kind of brainstorming type meeting in front of a whiteboard so yeah, even though i 've always um, tried to do something like this or exactly what she said about calls like when you 're on a conference call, the best thing to do is pick up your phone and um, take it outside and get a few steps in while you're, while you're on the conference call with some people. Um, but yeah, I think that that's like, it's, it's become such a, maybe this is everywhere, but I don't, you know, in LA, I do feel like a lot more people are inviting me and not just because of what I do and who I am, but because it's part of what they do now, um, to, to take these walks or to go out and explore somewhere instead of just, uh, having coffee or having a drink, which is, is really cool to see.
1: Yeah. Well, it's funny. I think there's something also quite different. I actually really like to go for a walk with people when I'm on a first date, because I think there's something quite different about moving through space side by side rather than facing each other that kind of removes a certain, you know, um, confrontationalness and can sort of, I don't know, maybe you can have different types of conversations in a way too.
0: I agree with that. And what's funny too, is uh, it's so similar to Driving in a car also, if you've taken like a long trip with somebody in a vehicle, you kind of have that same thing where you're seated next to them, uh, but you're not really looking at them at all. (laughs) Hopefully you're looking at the road. And it's funny, uh, I definitely notice when I've had to interview people or talk to people um, for stories that you, you, if you put them in that mindset, instead of sitting across the table from them and like dropping a recorder in front of them, they become so much more at ease and they're able to talk so much more freely about what they do. So for me to get good answers for somebody in an interview, um, is definitely either, you know, put them in a, put them in a position where they're like that. And walking is a very good way to do it.
1: Yeah. Well, and also I think it's, something about that, you know, and again, and maybe it's the sort of lack of eye contact is it yep. <laughs> allows people to be silent together in a way that is challenging when you're just exactly. sort of sitting across the table looking at each other, right? That's <laughs> true. <laughs> you have written in the past kind of about little experiments that people can do to start walking more. One of them um, was, you know, kind of drawing like a two mile radius around their house on a map and sort of committing to never drive within that circle or that radius. Um, do you have any other ideas for kind of experiments that people could do to kind of get them walking more?
0: Yeah, that's my one that that gets people hooked. And I've definitely heard a lot of good feedback from that one. Um, it's, it's just a super, it's actually really fun just to do, just to learn how close, two miles is from your house because you probably thought something was really far and then you draw the circle and you're like, wow, I could totally walk there. Why don't I walk there more? Um, so that's been my, that's been like my greatest trick. Um, the other one that I've just been telling people recently, um, especially in light of all the conversation about climate change and what we can do as individuals and as cities is to really just not drive one day a week if you're somebody who's commuting um using a, a car or use a car pretty heavily. Um the studies have shown that especially in a place like California, where we, we've kind of maximized our efficiency when it comes to heating and cooling, you know, we're already moving towards solar energy. We, we are, we've done a lot of the changes that we need to do um, to maximize uh, our efficiency when it comes to addressing climate change. Um, but the one thing that we still aren't able to tackle is our transportation problem and our car problem. So if you live in a place like that, um, the best thing that you can do and what the studies have shown is that you really just need to get out of your car one or two days a week to make a complete dramatic change in, in how you would reduce your emissions and your personal um, impact on on the climate. So what I'm just telling people to do is, you know, replace one or two trips and try it out and have these be your few trips that you give yourself a little extra time or have to sweat a little more or have to explore a different part of your city. But if you just start small with, with, um, one day a week or one or two trips a week, that's a really, really good start. And then you'll get hooked, of course, and then you'll want to do it more.
1: I was thinking, as we're talking about the kind of two mile radius, um, around your house, I'm thinking, well, no one has maps anymore. <laughs> like a map that they could literally draw a circle on. But I guess you could print a map out from um from Google Maps.
0: There is a, I, I, ha, I can give you like a link of like a place where you can actually draw a circle just for this thing. I think it is almost even for this uh purpose. purpose. Yeah. Yeah, just so you can, I call it your walk shed. So you think of it like a watershed or something like that that you talk about. Um, with you know how rivers the footprint of rivers for example Mm -hmm. so this is your walk shed this is your uh, this is your zone around your home and no matter what you do the rule is that you have to stay out of a car for those in your walk shed in that circle as I was contemplating
1: the wrap-up for the show a couple of transformative stories about walking came to mind one is a story of healing Earlier this year, I took my mother to Paris for her 70th birthday. For seven days, we walked everywhere. We walked up 108 stories to the top of the Eiffel Tower. We walked up the winding, hilly streets to Sacre Coeur. And we walked up 284 steps to the observation deck atop the Arc de Triomphe. I couldn't believe her endurance. I think I was more exhausted than she was. But the remarkable thing happened weeks later. After we had returned, my mother was shocked to find that she no longer had the intense back pain she'd been wrestling with for years. Somehow, getting out of her normal routine had magically recalibrated her relationship to her body. Another is a story of discovery. A few months ago, I met up with a new friend for dinner in Manhattan. It was an unseasonably warm night, and we decided, on a whim, to walk back home over the Brooklyn Bridge. While we were strolling across, we spotted a rooftop bar strung up with lights that somehow looked like the perfect place to be. So we took a detour to find it. When we got there, the view from the bar turned out to be one of the most breathtaking cityscapes I've ever seen in New York City. It was perfect, and it's a destination I'll definitely be keeping in my back pocket for future use. And that's the beauty of walking. The outcome is never quite exactly what you anticipated, because you have time for discovery, and digression in a way that's not possible with other modes of transport. I firmly believe that almost every problem can be solved, every bad mood made a little bit better, by simply picking up your body and moving it through space. When in doubt, take a walk. Next week's episode will be another installment in our new mini format, a short five to 10 minute show that shares some simple bite-sized wisdom. This one will be a supercut of a bunch of hurry-slowly guests answering the question, what's the key ingredient in work-life balance? As we head into a brand new year and adjust our priorities accordingly, the show should provide some good food for thought. One more note, if you're digging the show but you're not yet on my email list, stop dilly-dallying and sign up. The newsletter is a real labor of love packed with links to the most insightful articles and tips that I'm reading every single week. You can sign up HurrySlowly.co slash newsletter. And now it's time for your final moment of Zen.
0: When have you been most relaxed? Most relaxed is probably when I'm heading home from a work related event and I feel a good sense of accomplishment and I'm on a bike and the sun is starting to go down and it's this gorgeous uh, magic hour light that L.A. gets to experience pretty much every day, and I'm feeling like I'm the luckiest person in the world for living where I do.
1: You probably won't be surprised to learn that most of my commentary for this episode was drafted while walking. This show was produced by Matt Susich, and our theme song was composed by Devin Craig Johnson. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to write us a review on iTunes. Every rating helps us expand our audience and keep growing the podcast. There's even a handy review link right in the show notes. As always, thanks for tuning in and remember to hurry slowly.